And on that judgment moment, you're going to stand before the throne of God. Thank God you're at the Bema seat, not the white throne. Because the Bema seat is where we, the books are opened and we're judged from the Lamb's book of life. And then we're rewarded for the works that we do in Christ that don't burn up. And the cool thing about those works is they're, they're, they become jewels in a crown that we get to present to our loving, beautiful God. And here's the neat thing. Just because we went and, and, and did some of those things, because you gave, because you prayed, because you are part of who we are, you share in that. So this trip to Brazil and all the things that God did through us are credited to you. And at that Bema Seat Judgment, you'll be offering the Lord a, a, a crown with jewels in it that are a reflection of this week that we spend in Brazil. I'd like to give Stevie and then Carrie to come on up a chance to uh, uh, share some testimonies, things that the Lord did for, through them and on through their heart. Take whatever time you need, buddy. These guys are not hungry. They'll last all day. All right. How are you guys doing today? Awesome. Um, like you said, like Chuck said, this is our second trip to Brazil. We went two years ago, and this this year was totally different for me. Um, I came, well, two years ago, I didn't know. We didn't know what to expect, and it was just awesome. But this time, I, I was like, you know what? God, I'm coming expecting for certain things. And so when I went there, um, God used me to, in healing um, the first night. I prayed for one of our um, interpreters, and he only had, in his left eye, he had about, he said, like 10% vision out of it. And so we prayed for him the first time, and he goes, well, I can see a little bit better. And then I was like, well, I don't serve a God that only does a little bit better, so let's pray again. And so <laughs> we prayed again, and he got his full sight. And... It was, it was awesome. I mean, this guy, you could just see, like, his whole face light up because he's like, I haven't been able to see good. And, like, he did, he wasn't wearing glasses either, so he was struggling. Um, but, like I said, when I came down, I was, I asked God, I was like, let God impart into me more, more for youth. You know, I wanted to be used. I wanted to be able to pray for a lot more youth this time, and what do you know? I did. <laughs> um, it was just awesome that God let me pray over these youth for all sorts of different things, you know, inner healings. Um, we had teens that were suicidal there that after we got done praying, they were, I don't even, their heart was so light, and like, I don't feel any negative thought in my life right now. And so that was awesome. Um, and it was just awesome to see because every every night I would pray for my interpreter and, you know, whoever was around me. And I was just like, you know what, let's just pray for you. And one of the nights we were we were had intercessory during the service. I went out and at this service, I think it was the night before the last, I don't know how many people were there. It was like 1,500. Like, there was only standing room and whatnot. And we're out there. It was wild out in the parking lot. 2,400. So they 
where there was a tent where we prayed under, but it was so loud that they kicked us out and we had to go down to by the street. And so we're like, okay, that's fine. Um, we're praying, and then all of a sudden, we see these group of teens like walk by, and the one just looks at me, like I don't speak Portuguese, so I was like, "What's up?" And he looked back, and he goes, "Can I can I pray with?" I was like, "Yeah, awesome." And so we prayed for him, and then we found one of the interpreters to he was dealing with problems in his legs. And so we prayed for that. There was no pain after that. And, like, his whole group of friends was just standing behind him. Like, man, what's going on right now? But you could tell, like, they wanted to join in. And so I was like, hey, come on, come on. And then I got to pray for all of those guys. And I was like, you know what, there's a couple of them. I was like, God's not done with you yet. And so after we got done praying, I was like, come find me. And it was just awesome that God... God bless them so much. Um, one of the translators' names was Alex. And that night, I was like, before service, like I said, I pray for him. I was like, God, tonight, just give him an overflow, like a double dose of everything that you have for him. And in the service, he was sitting, and then out of nowhere, he's like, I don't, he had pain in his right arm. That was gone. Then he, like, we started praying. And then, like, he's just over here tweaking out on his arm, and he's like, I don't know what's going on right now. <laughs> and so, you know, God just filled him, filled him up. And then later on in that service, he was over there prophesying to some of the people on our, our team. And he's like, I've never done that before. And like everything that he was saying was just, you could tell it was just God flowing out of him. And it was, he's like, I want to be used more in that. I said, you can't. <laughs> and so we prayed for him again. And like that was, it was a messy night that night. It was awesome. <laughs> um, and then me personally, I, I had an awesome, awesome inner healing just from things in my past and the whole week, you know, when you go, go to do God's work, you know, the enemy tries to come and says, well, what about this? What about this? What about this? And, you know, I was like, you know, I'm sick and tired of this nonsense. And, and I got, I was just fed up and the last day we had our last impartation service, I mean, what, we had like four, three, four services that day, and it was just, it was a long day. And there's this gentleman sitting down, and he goes, he doesn't speak English, and he just points at me, and he's like, come here. I'm like, all right. And then he's like, pray for me. And so, me? Yeah. I didn't know who he was. And then, so I prayed for him. God was all over him. And then later that night, Randy called up all the pastors and was imparting into their lives. And then I saw the guy, and I was like, oh, man, he was a pastor. <laughs> I mean, not that, not that that would have changed anything, but I was like, man, God had me pray for pastors? That's awesome. But then, um, so after we get done catching, I mean, I know some of you guys seen the photo of me, like, directing some people. <laughs> It, it was, I was just helping him out, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> he was bossing him around, was, he was. <laughs> but, like, the one the one guy, he was like, Randy prayed for him, but the rest of the other pastors were close to him praying. He's like, oh, no, I'm good. And I was like, are you sure? I was like, this is how they do it. He goes, oh, no, we're good. The next thing you know, I take a step away, and then the rest of the pastors come, so I run back over there to catch him. And then... Everybody, all the pastors, it was just, 
I mean, their stage was huge. That that it was like the whole building long, like, and pastors just laid out. And so I'm like, all right, you know, I'm walking, I'm walking off the stage, and then all of a sudden I felt somebody grab, like, really grab my arm, and I'm like, hold up, what's going on here? And it's this the pastor that I prayed for earlier, and he had a translator at the time, and he goes, I'm praying for you now. And I was like, oh man, thank God, just had him read my mail, and I was like, you know what? He would have asked me these things. He's like, is this true? And I was like, yeah. Is this true? Yeah. And he just started talking about the youth and different ministries and all sorts of stuff in my life. And he's like, God's about to wrap you up. And, like, I've never felt the presence of God literally like it was like a, like a trap, you know. It literally just trapped me. And it was the most awesome thing. And then. He said, the peace of God is going to come on your life. And then all of a sudden, boom, I hit the ground. And I tell you, I tell you what, there's never been a, a point in my life where I've hit the ground and I've never heard anything. Like, I couldn't, there was nobody there. There was, you, I could hear a pen drop. But there was, I mean, that night we had, there was way more than 2,400 because there was no stepping ground. There was nothing because people were laying on the ground. Every chair was filled. But, you know, God personally healed my heart and just brought a new passion, new fire to impart into youth's lives and all that stuff. And it's going to be awesome. So, yeah. Am I there, Tim? That's okay. <laughs> How do you talk after that? Um, we kept, me and Charlie would step back and we'd say, where's Stevie? Oh, there's Stevie. He's right up there with the pastor, you know. <laughs> he there's is Stevie. the most popular man in Brazil. <laughs> we kept, we kept a watch out for him. <laughs> but anyhow, um, the week had its challenges. I don't want to say it was all glory because every time you go to minister for God, something, you know, there's there's things that you have to deal with. I got off the airplane, and that was, what was it, two hours and then nine hours to Brazil from, from Dallas. And then we got on our bus, and it was another, I think, nine-hour drive in the bus to where we were going to, we were really in the middle of Brazil. And... Um, I took off my shoes when we got back to the, the room, and I had cankles. It was awful. My whole feet had swelled, and I've never had that problem before, but they didn't go down until the last day that we were out there, and I had a battle in my mind the whole time I was out there. I knew that if I got off them for a little while, they'd, I'd be fine, and they'd go down, but I wasn't going to let anything stop me from what we were experiencing. So I had taken, luckily, I had taken sandals, and I could get them on my feet. But those even kind of were stretchy. But anyhow, I got my ankles back, so I'm happy. <laughs> but just those little things that you have to deal with as you're going, you know, that want to steal your joy, that want to steal what God wants to do, and you just got to fight that off. And it's just like our daily lives. We have to fight things off and, and say, no, I'm going to go for God, and I'm going to do this. 
and um, and we did. We, I, you know, I, I can't even tell you. This the the churches we were at, they were just like sponges, and one of the first things that I said to Charlie, I said, you know, this is easy. We were praying for the sick, and they were receiving. It was almost too easy. There was no effort. Um, the first person that we started praying for, she was behind us. You know, we got there the first day, and we didn't have interpreters that were really helping us. And she had her back healed, and she was signaling to us that she had an addiction, and we prayed for her. There's, there's no way we can know if she got what happened there, but instantly all her muscles and everything were healed. And as we went on later in the week, and we worked together, I don't know if we were supposed to, but we just did it, and nobody stopped us. So we just kept going on, and all the other couples are going, Hi, you know. So we prayed for a few of them and, and said, yeah, there's more power in two of us. Where Charlie's strong in an area. I, I, where he's strong, he's strong, and where I'm strong, I'm strong. And so we realized working together that there was things that, he's seen results in that I didn't, and I've seen results that he hasn't before. We prayed um, at the second church. There was a couple on one of the nights that I prayed for, and it was usually inner healings that had to go on. We had a gentleman come up, and and he said, he goes, pray for, well, we had an interpreter, so that, that was a blessing. But he had, yeah, she was good. She was a teacher in Hebrew and Greek, and you know, just a blessing. She only spoke nine languages. Yeah. <laughs> and and she sought us out, which made me feel really good, you know. But um, but as he came up and he said, you know, I had to quit my job because I'm so depressed because I've worked with drug addicts. And he goes, and I can't, can't do it any longer. And we started praying for him and started pulling those things off him because, and... I've never seen somebody, you know, I, I know when my husband prays, that happens. I have never seen people go down when I've prayed for them, but started pulling all these things off him, and he he hit that floor so hard, and he was a big man, and those things started falling off him. We prayed for him, and his wife came up, and we prayed for her, and you could physically see the difference in this man's life, what God did to him. And his wife, we just had words for her about her putting a hedge of protection over her husband as he goes and that he will be able to work in that field again, that, that, you know, he will be able to come back into that. And then we had a little girl come forward that same night. It kind of seemed like the same thing. And she reminded me of Haley right there. And I told her and she came up. Anna and Victoria. Her name was Anna Victoria, just a beautiful little girl. And she had, she had oppression and she said, I've got anxiety in my life, and I'm taking medication at night because I cannot go to sleep. And with Randy Clark's ministry, they this has helped us. Um, they have a five-step way to pray. And so I just didn't pray for the anxiety. We needed to find the root cause of the anxiety. And so I said, well, how long have you had it? And she said, about six months. I said, what happened six months ago? And she was held up by gunpoint with the person putting the gun right in the middle of her stomach and robbed. And that created this anxiety within her. We prayed for her and this little girl. Her chin, I don't know how this is possible, but her chin was 
quivering and shaking so hard she fell out into the power of God and and she came back up and she goes I feel light I feel peace and it was just it was such a blessing to be able to be used that way and to see her her come full circle and and just the joy of the Lord just enveloped her it was just really beautiful so we've seen a lot of things like that um, we've seen a lot of healings we prayed one of the first nights prayed for a lady with breast cancer that's and she had lumps and we finally figured that out because that was the time we didn't have an interpreter they kept coming around but we didn't have one right there and her lumps disappeared and the people were just so receptive and so it was it was just a beautiful beautiful time and and God just stirred our hearts and 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 it was a great time of connection we had 80 of us on this team and to see 80 people so fired up so being used of God and some of these people hadn't ever done that before we had a little 17 year old girl that kept coming by us her name was Caitlin and I just told her the last day I said you know you are such a brave girl because she was homeschooled she decided to do this trip all on her own she came from Spokane Washington she had four connecting flights to get there and four to get back and I thought by herself by herself with nobody else there and she goes you know I just want all of what God is going to do through me and he really moved through her too and so it, it was a blessing thank you thank you for sending us thank you for praying for us awesome the uh, gentleman that was uh, dealt with the drug addicts and and whatnot and, and we, we prayed for him we actually prayed for him twice before we prayed for his wife and Carrie got to pray for his wife because I had spent about five minutes trying to get myself out from underneath him as he fell. And he was a big man. <laughs> I was going, help me, somebody, please. I'm buried under here. Get him off me. And, uh, but it, it, was, it was a powerful, it was a strong, it was time. But it, what it was was an obvious um, manifestation of Christ in us as a team, as individuals, and realize even though we were working um, as a team, the, the individual and, and, and the anointing on each person became evident and became obvious in their strengths and what God had, had poured into their lives, and it was, it was fun, it was exciting to watch. Um, we, would, we would be asked as a team to line up, and then they would go along after they had been dealing with healings, and people were being healed during the service, during um, maybe prayer from the, from the platform. But then when it came time to lay hands on the multitude and, 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 and whatnot, we would line up, and, and we were asked to give a word of knowledge, each of us, what the Lord wanted to heal. And then if we would share something that somebody had, they would stand up, and then they would come to you for prayer. And uh, so, you know, sometimes you'd be standing there and, and they'd be, the mic would be coming down to you and, and it would be two, two people away and you're still going, God, God, speak now. And so one of, one of the afternoons, uh, the, the, the service had, had just concluded and we were sitting there waiting um, to do what we were going to be doing next. And the Lord uh, gave me a word of knowledge for healing. And he said, uh, there's a... Uh, you're going to pray for somebody who's been, uh, I wasn't sure if they were kicked off a horse or kicked by a horse. And they were having, they'd had uh, uh, back, upper back problems ever since. 
And I looked at uh, a good friend of mine who was with Stevie and I on the last trip. He was on this one as well. And I said, boy, Randy, it's always nice when God speaks to you ahead of time. You don't have to, you know, get that last minute. What, Lord, speak now. And, and he's, I said, so I got my word of knowledge. And he says, really? Cool. What is it? And I said, well, there's going to be somebody here that's got kicked off a horse or, or kicked by a horse and blah, blah, blah. And he looked right at me. He goes, that's me. You got it, Chuck. And I said, wow, all right. So we prayed for that, prayed for him. I got another gentleman that was there. And, and as we prayed, he, I said, we were praying. And he started turning his neck, and you could hear the, <coughs> it's just gross. <laughs> I went, oh, my goodness. And uh, he got done praying for him. How's that? And he goes, well, I feel the heat, but, man, it's not done yet. And I said, let's pray again. So we prayed, and <coughs> just this cracking and stuff. And all of a sudden, He's moving his head back and forth. God completely healed him. You know, he's one of the team members. He's, but yet, it wasn't, it was, God was working and moving on behalf of everybody that was there. And so, you know, it, it was an exciting time. There's this gentleman that came up, and he was, he was having some severe back issues. And, and also, it was like somebody had taken a ping pong ball and sliced it in half and put it on the back of his head. He had this lump on his, this uh, cyst or, or, or growth out of his head. And so we prayed for his back, and, and when I did, um, as soon as I laid hands on him, God collapsed him to the floor just violently, and he just smacked his head. I mean, there wasn't a chance for anybody to catch him the way he went down or anything, and we didn't have really catchers anyway. We kind of had to wing that, but uh, he went down, smacked his head on the floor, and and his feet were all tangled up underneath him. I'm trying to straighten him out and yet pray for him at the same time. And he finally comes back around to help him up. And he's bending, twisting, and he's completely healed in his back. But that growth is still in the back of his head. And I said, well, let's take care of that. So I laid hands on that, and I began to pray over him. And all of a sudden, he goes, he goes, Mice Fogo, Mice Fogo, no Mice Fogo, no Mice Fogo, which was, pow- I feel power. Or, or fire, I feel fire, I feel more fire, no more fire, no more fire. And my hand was literally burning on his head as I'm praying for him. And so I take my hand away and I take my thumb and I rub it on where that lump was. And I said, there, I don't feel anything. How about you? Oh, he's rejoicing again as God took that whatever it was on his head and completely dissolved it and it disappeared. We saw those kind of miracles. A young, uh, it, the, the words of knowledge would be very specific. A young man was uh, a guy from Michigan, um, not Bill, but the other one, Mike. Yeah, gave a word of knowledge for a young man or a man that was in a motorcycle accident in the rain and and hurt his shoulders. And, well, he, the, the, the man came to us. He couldn't, didn't find Mike who had given the word, came to Carrie and I. And we, he was a younger man, and, and he couldn't move his, he had no motion. Right here was all he had. And so we laid hands on him and, and prayed for him. Before I could even finish my prayer, he throws his hands up in the air, and God completely heals him, and he's all excited. And, and God totally restored all his motion. But you could feel as I had hands on him, Carrie had his hand, her hands on the other shoulder, you could feel like something was crawling in and in, underneath his skin, underneath his shoulders as God was working on that. It was just incredible. And then there was another, there was another uh, young man that I think Carrie had the word of knowledge for him about his leg, and he came up, and he was a young fellow, and he couldn't, he couldn't bend. He couldn't hardly move that leg, and he had no, no bending motion in it at all. 
and we began to lay hands on it, and there was this, I can't remember if that was a heat or a tingling or whatever he was began to feel, and all of a sudden, he starts doing this, and then he starts jumping up and down, and, and finally he says, can I run? Feel free, and he's running across the stage and rejoicing as God healed him, and, 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 and there's, we have all sorts of stories of, of, of the miraculous that God did as God healed, but, but the 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 thing that again there was a different focus for me this time and what what part of the things that god had began to show was was uh who we are and our identity and i've i've talked about this and i've i've preached this before and and for the sake of time uh we won't go through all the scripture but if you remember back in the in the book of genesis um god gets together with Jesus, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit get together. They've made all of creation except for one, and, and they're going to they're gonna make man. And God says, uh, they come into agreement, let's make man in our image, right? And so God reaches down, and he makes a pile of dirt, breathes into it, and there we are, men. And then God causes sleep to come on the man, and he pulls from man's side, not from his head, not from his feet, but from his side, his rib. And he, and he gets into heaven's workshop, and he finally crafts a beautiful woman. And he brings her to Adam. And there you are, ladies, finely crafted. Guys, you're a pile of dirt. Girls... You're finely crafted. But he made man in his image, male and female, created them in his image. And then there's a little bliss going on in Eden, and the serpent shows up. And what does he tempt Eve with? You want to be like God? Eat the fruit of the knowledge of good or evil. But what was she made like? What was he made like? They were made. They were already made in the image of God. And here comes the enemy. And what does he try to do? He tries to take from us who we are, our identity. Jesus is coming to John. And John is baptizing. And Jesus said, I need to be baptized. And John says, no, no, no. I need to be baptized with what you baptize with. And Jesus said, no, 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 we need to fulfill Scripture. The Bible says this, we need to fulfill righteousness. We need to do what's right according to Scripture. And Jesus was baptized, and heaven opened, and the Spirit of God spoke, and he said, this is my beloved Son, whom I'm well pleased and Jesus immediately was, was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness. And the Bible said, and he, was, he fasted for 40 days, and he was hungry. And the devil came and tempted him. And he said, if you're the Son of God, turn the stone to bread. So what was the first temptation that the devil brought to Jesus? Was it? Wrong for Jesus to be hungry. Was it wrong for Jesus to eat? Now, he was done fasting. Has, 
Jesus hadn't turned water into wine yet, but could Jesus have turned stone to bread? Would it have been wrong? So was it was that the temptation? Or was the temptation, what did God just say? This is my beloved son. The temptation was if you're the son of God, turn stone to bread. The second temptation in that first encounter was to take the stone and make it bread. Not that, not that the temptation was for Jesus to eat, but what does the stone represent? Stone represented the law. Stone represented that which was printed on the stone, the law where God carved on the mountain with Moses, the commandments. He said, make that good enough. Turn that into what can be life. Let man live on that. And Jesus says, no. I'm the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. I know my identity. I know who I am and what I've been called to do. I know what God desires of me, and I will not shrink from that. And I will not be tempted to make that law that's already in existence what man has to try to live by because it can't do it, and I love him too much. Man will not live by bread alone, but by every word, by the revelation, by what comes forth from God. Second temptation was he, he took him up on a pinnacle. He said, if you're the son of God, cast yourself down. Second temptation again, identity. Who are you if you think you're the son of God? Throw yourself down because God will give his angels charge over you and keep you and you will not even dash your foot against a stone. You know that scripture? You know that scripture? So prove that you're really the son of God and cast yourself down so God can save you. And Jesus said, I don't need to do that. I'm not going to tempt the Lord God because I know who I am. And I don't need to cast myself down to prove it. He was tempted again with his identity. And then he said, he took him up and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world. And he said, he said, I give you all of these if you bow down and worship me. And Jesus said, I know who I am. I'm the son of the living God. I'm the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And I'm going to take back these kingdoms, and I'm not going to do it with a shortcut, and there is no way that you get anything that belongs to God because I know who my Father is. I know that he deserves all the glory and the praise and the worship. I will not bow down to you. And Jesus then overcame. And he walked away with his identity fully intact. And he was fully aware of it. We as a church, we as a body, the problem that we run into is we don't understand our identity. We don't know our identity. We don't recognize who God has made us. We, we begin to say things about ourselves that are contrary to what God says about us. Who are you? Ephesians chapter 1. In fact, let's, let's turn there. We will go here. Rabbit trail. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. 
So what are you blessed with? Every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Everything, God is spirit. So God has blessed you with all of him that comes from him. Mm. Even as he chooses, or as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. He chose us. God made a choice. He said, I want you. I want you, you, you. I want you, you, you. I want, sorry, Blues Brothers song. (laughs) I want you. And I've blessed you with all of me. Oh, keep going. And you're blameless. Oh, I'm just a wretch. I know Amazing Grace is a great song that saved a wretch like me. God says, okay, then if you've been saved, quit calling yourself a wretch. You're my child. We'll still sing the song. So it's all right. Holy and blameless. Ooh, holy. 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 You're holy. Get a grip on what's holy. Holy can mean simply this, that you are in agreement with what God has said and what God has called you to do. He said it, what he said about you and what he's called you to do. In other words, you're saying, yes, God, I'm sanctified because you have sanctified me by your blood, and, and that is your decision. You made that, so therefore, I'm in agreement with that. I receive that, therefore, I'm holy. It's not some mystical thing. It's not some far-out thing. You say, yes, God, to your promises. Yes, God, to your call. Yes, God, to your plans. Yes, God, to your purpose. Yes, God, to all that you want to do in my life, through my life, with my life. I say yes, and God says, holy. You're holy. That we should be holy and blameless before him in love. We should be holy and blameless before him. I'm sorry, period. Ooh, that's another cool thing. Guess where you get to be? Before him. Guess where you get to live? Before him. Guess where you get to spend your time? Before him. Guess where you get to dwell? Before him. And where is he? In heaven. You know, the Bible says that we're seated with Christ in heavenly places. Isn't that cool? Oh, you do realize that we walk a walk of faith, right? Cool. All right. In love, listen to this, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace in which he has blessed us in the Beloved. So God has predestined and determined that you would be his child. You were made in his image. He's predestined you to be his child. He chose you before the foundation of the world. Through Christ Jesus, he made it possible that you could be a son and a daughter of God. Colossians chapter 1, if you flip over there, says this. In verse 24, 
Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's affliction for the sake of his body, that is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to the saints. By the way, the saints aren't those who've just done one or two or three miracles. Saints are those who have received Christ as their Lord. You are, you are saints of God. Verse 27, to them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of, this, of the glory of this mystery. Ready for the mystery that's been revealed? Christ in you. The hope of glory. Christ in you. You've been transformed into the image of the living God through the blood of Christ who's redeemed you and reestablished you as the image of God and he dwells in you. And God said, I'm making it known to you by my Holy Spirit. This mystery is being revealed. Your image is Christ. Well, it seems a little arrogant. It's not your choice. Well, that seems a little far-fetched. God is a miracle worker. Even I can look and be like Jesus. Why? He said. He made it possible. What am I saying about me? Well, God wants me to say about me everything that he has said about Christ. God wants me to come into agreement with what God knows about Jesus. How many of you are born again, the blood of Christ, you've called on the, the name of the Lord and you're born again? What part of your sin was too great for the blood of Christ to forgive? Anybody have a chunk of sin left in them because the blood wasn't quite good enough? No. You've been redeemed, fully restored. A child of God. How many of you are filled with the Holy Spirit? What crevice of your body didn't he fill? Are you fully filled? Yes. Absolutely you are. But yet we walk around and we say, well, I don't know about that. You know, I've, And you make all sorts of excuses why you don't. When God says, I've done everything, so you can and you should. Turn with me back to uh, uh, Romans chapter 6. We'll go quick. Uh, verse 8. Romans 6, 8. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. How are we to consider ourselves? Alive to God in Christ Jesus. Dead to sin. Uh, down just a few lines. But present yourself to God as those who have been brought 
from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. We're to present ourselves as to God as instruments for righteousness. Let me, let me shorten that word righteousness down. We're to present our God as instruments for that which is right. If you're right, you're righteous, right? We like to think righteousness is a word that's beyond us, and God says, no, righteousness comes from the word to be right. For sin will have no dominion over you since you're not under the law but under grace. Oh, what's grace? A God-given ability to do what the truth demands. So God has empowered you by his grace to be able to be obedient and to walk in that right standing you have with him. What then? Are we to sin because we are not under the law but under grace? By no means. We don't have the right to sin. Do you not know that if you're if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one to whom you obey, either to sin, which leads to death, or obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves to sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed, and having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. And I'm speaking in human terms is what he said. A slave to righteousness. That term slave can be offensive, taken in the wrong format. I realize that. But what God is saying through Paul here is this. He said, if you're a slave, you don't have free will. You have to obey your master. Right? Did God give us free will? Yes, he did. So he's asking you to freely enslave yourself to what is right or become a bond slave by choice. I choose to enslave myself to what's right. What does that do for us? That means the only thing we are allowed to do is that which is right because Right becomes our master in Christ. And if I can only do what's right, if I can only say what's right, if I can only come into agreement with what is right, I will learn to live, to speak, and to do what is right. Because that's the only thing I get to do. Now I get to learn and I get to grow and constantly be doing what's right. And therefore, when I get a chance and I move beyond slave and become a friend of God, a person, a friend of God, is a person with influence. Moses influenced God. We see different. Abraham influenced God. We were called friends of God. God says, I think I'll destroy everybody, Moses, and I'll start a new tribe through you. And Moses said, don't. That's influence, and he didn't. Because Moses spoke right. Moses did right. So if we want to influence God, we better influence God with that which is right. So we better learn to know how to do right. We better know how to speak right. Right? Correct? All along, though, we have been children of God. Now, Susie, I know your son. 
Did you raise him to do right? There he is. Hi, Josh. Did you raise him to do right? Did you teach him to do right? Did he always do right? No. Hmm. That does happen, doesn't it? So that we are, as humans, we're, we are our work in progress. So we've been children all along, but God says, but did you tell him to do right? Did you teach him to do right? Did he eventually learn how to do right? Yes. Say yes. Yes. Holy Spirit's in us. What does the Holy Spirit do? Leads us into all truth. He's our teacher. He's our guide. He's our comforter. He's our helper. He empowers us. Empowers us to do what? To live in the image that God has created us to live in. To be like Christ in this earth. How many of you are the body of Christ? Raise your hands high. Yes, you are. I'll give you the answer. I am the body of Christ, and so are you. How many of you are the head of Christ? Put your hand down. You don't get to do the thinking. You don't get to make the decisions. But you get to act out that which has already been decided. You get to act out and live out that which God has already planned and prepared. You get to be, you know, the cliche, his hands and his feet. You get to speak in agreement with his word. You get to do what God is doing in the earth. Jesus came out of the wilderness from that experience that he had being tempted of the devil. And his first message to the church after that was this. Repent because there is a new kingdom on the earth. The kingdom of God is at hand. And we like to a lot of times think of the word repent is to ask God for forgiveness. There's an element of forgiveness in repentance. But repent means this, change how you think. We're no longer thinking as the kingdom of the earth. We're no longer thinking as the world. We're no longer thinking according to the law. We're thinking according to every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, the bread of God, the true bread of God, the word of God, not taking the law and turning it into to bread, but what God is speaking and what God is doing. We're repenting, we're changing how we think, and we're coming into alignment with the kingdom. How does the kingdom operate? Jesus told the parable of the man, the prodigal, or the, 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 the glorious father who had a son that said, Dad, you're dead to me. Give me my money, and I'm going to go. He's called the prodigal son. We know that story, but when the son finally came to the realization that even the pigs or the servants that had it better than him because he was eating the pig slop, and he came home, and the father, this extravagant father, was watching He's the type and shadow of our God. And when he saw the son coming, kill the fatted calf. It's time to party. And he met him. And he met him with, with, with a robe and a ring and put sandals on his feet. If you go backwards, in what happened, he said, look, kill the fatted calf. Was that a representative of the sacrifice of Christ? Let's put sandals on his feet. 
What did that represent? Slaves didn't wear sandals. Sons did. The sacrifice has made a way for sonship to be reestablished. I thought he was the son. He was. But God was reinstituting his identity as the son. What was the next thing? The ring. Going to empower you. The signet ring. Going to empower you. Going to reinstitute the power that you once had. Because what did Adam, what was Adam told? To rule and subdue the earth. The devil take, took that and stole that. And God says, hey, you've been redeemed. I've made you a child again through the blood. Here's your authority back. And then what was the other thing? The robe. The robe of righteousness. And I've established you in my love. And I've established you in my truth. You're redeemed. Your sonship is restored. Your authority is restored. And you're mine. You're my righteousness. You're right. Because you've submitted and committed yourself to learning what is right, to living how we live right, to doing what's right, so that every day, every decision we make is determined and based on the fact that we have been disciplined in what is right. And then Romans 8, chapter, uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Depends on your translation. Some go on, King James, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. God has commissioned you as his children to walk in the authority that you have been given by the blood of Jesus and to do what the body of Christ is to do on the earth. Here's the commission, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And these signs, according to Mark, will follow them that believe. In my name, what's the first thing? They'll cast out devils. Isn't that amazing? First thing God puts in that commission. Hey, Joe, guess what you get to do? Take authority over all the enemy. So when you go, you don't have to be afraid. Power. You've been empowered. Second thing. Speaking new tongues. Whoever said it. Speaking new tongues. Carrie said it. What does that mean? You're full of me. You're not full of baloney. You've been empowered and you're full, you're full of me. You're full of what, what do tongues represent? All the power, all the gifts, everything that's of God. Tongues represents tongues, interpretation of tongues, and prophecy. It represents word of wisdom, word of knowledge, the sermon of spirit, miracles, healing, and, and, and faith. Represents all those things. You're full of me. Nothing is going to hurt you. Nothing is going to harm you, whether it bites you or whether you eat it. Well, we did probably eat something that one day because that was kind of rough, wasn't it? It just was inconvenient. Nothing hurt. And the last thing, you'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. You will take it and give it to those around you for the purpose of their life becoming better so they can become part of the kingdom. That's who you are. You need to, this week, look for opportunity 
to let your identity be seen. How do I do that? You witness, you share, you love, you pray, you lay hands on somebody, you present truth to somebody, you let your light shine. You do what's right in whatever situation you're in. Watch God begin to move. Watch God, the glory of God, begin to fill the earth and the surroundings around you. That's how the glory is revealed. God said to Moses, when Moses said, show me your glory, I'll show you my goodness. Fruit of the Spirit, character of God. I'll make my name known. What is that? That's covenant talk. That's that you're a child. That's that you're filled with the Spirit. That's that you're empowered. He said, um, I'll make my name known to you. He said, I'll have mercy on whom I'll have mercy and compassion on whom I'll have compassion. We like to think that that says that God's going to pick and choose who he's going to be merciful to and pick and choose who he's going to be compassionate to. And the truth is, you're right. But he's saying, I get to pick and choose. You don't. Because you're going to say that Scott deserves mercy, but Tim doesn't. (laughs) And Ken gets compassion where Linda doesn't. God says, wrong. He said, Scott gets mercy, Tim gets mercy, everybody gets mercy. Ken gets compassion, and Linda gets compassion, and everybody gets compassion. Because I look at people different, I judge people different, I judge with the heart of a father who is looking out for his children. Back to Josh, did he do everything right? No, but he got mercy every day. He got compassion every day. Part of mercy and compassion was correction. Don't get me wrong. But he got the love of a mother, love of a father, and that's what we get every day, and that's what God has asked us to give. And when we begin to do that, guess what's revealed? The glory of God. Plain and simple, the glory of God. It's time that we take this mystery that's in us, Christ in us, the hope of glory, and begin to allow that hope to be revealed. Don't shrink back. Somebody says, I don't feel well today. Let me pray for you. And lay hands on them. Man, I'm, I'm worried about my kids. Well, let, let's pray for them right now. Don't shrink back. I'd work at Siler's, and people would come in and say, Chuck, I know when you pray, God does things. Will you Will you?" Will you pray? And they're, they're expecting me to say, yeah, tonight I'll pray for you. I'd grab their hands right across the meat counter and pray. Don't shrink back. We're going to conclude with this. It is noon. Is we're going to, if you would like healing in your body, here's a few things. Somebody here with acid reflux, uh, God wants to deal with that for you. So come on up. There's, there's some people here with dealing with pain in your hips for sure. I know I, I had that. Somebody's dealing with, with, with uh, uh, definitely pain in their hands. Um, having struggle, having trouble gripping. Uh, we need to pray for that. Um, so, um, you're dealing with shortness of breath. We need to pray for that. Um, if you if you want prayer, I want you to come up and and stand here, ushers. And, and if you pray at the altar, please come up. Uh, we want everybody to participate uh, who prays and does that. 
Uh, realize this, um, I, I know that we've assigned certain people to pray, but that doesn't shrink you away from the responsibility of praying. If you'd like to be up here and be used by God, please come in and stand behind these people with us, would you? Allow the ushers to do what they need to do. But if, like I said, if you are uh, part of the staff and, and the team that does pray, please come up right now. Uh, so if you would like healing in your body of any sort, if I called you out, please come on out for that. But if not, Oh, if I didn't call you out, realize that healing is still yours. You can come up and receive that. Um, if you would like to receive in just an impartation, like Paul said to Timothy, that you know, I stir up the gift in you by the laying on of my hands. If you want to receive an impartation, come on up. We want to we want to lay hands on you for that. The rest of you realize this: your children are in the back. Don't forget them. Uh, but we love you. And again, from the bottom of Carrie's heart, my heart, Stevie's heart, thank you for what you did for us. And if I forgot something, okay. She's coming, and I thought maybe I forgot to say something. We love you. Have an awesome day. Make Jesus famous. Live out your identity. That's a good one, Tim. Amen. You're dismissed unless you want prayer. Come on up.